This show is brought to you by Growth Australia, market leaders in designing and creating workplaces. Welcome to Let's Talk Growth, Brisbane's number one people and property podcast. Join our fantastic guests to talk about innovation, marketing ideas, and technology that you can apply to your business to facilitate growth. Listeners, welcome back to another installment of Let's Talk Growth with me, Dan Boys. I'm joined by another Dan today. Dan Rao is the founder and brand strategist behind DSR Branding, a multi-award winning Brisbane-based studio specializing in brand strategy and identity. They excel at transforming underdog businesses, those with untapped potential, into market-leading top dog brands. I've got some numbers now. DSR Branding has partnered with 160 founders, launched over 60 new brands, and revitalized 50 through strategic rebrands. Their work has won over 60 design awards and been featured in national and international publications. I think you're going to get a lot from this episode. Dan Rao, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is one I'm very much looking forward to. It's the first one for a little while, as uh, the podcast boss Gil reminded <laughs> me. I got I got shamed. I haven't been giving this enough attention. I do enjoy it, but I'm back, Gil. I'm back. Look out, listeners. Strap in. Today we're going to talk about branding, marketing, and all the tangible benefits that come with that. It's an episode that's close to growth's heart, or as I should say, growth workplace design. That's right. You've called it listeners. We have rebranded. And the mastermind behind that was Mr. Dan Rowell himself. So we will touch on that later. It's not all about growth today. We want to make sure that you guys are getting a lot of benefits from this and some really key takeaways and understand branding a little bit more intimately than you may have done already. So to kick us off, Dan, I'd love to know a little bit about what is a brand how you would identify someone's brand, how you would diagnose a brand and what might need to be done just to give the listener a little bit of a a backdrop and then we'll kind of move through from there. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me, Boise. It's a pleasure Boise, to be here. It's uh, Dan, thank you. It's a professional, a professional <laughs> podcast. It, it, we can't it, have the same name. So, yeah, that's right. right. Boise it is. So yeah, a brand is a, a promise and a good brand is a promise kept. So the idea of a brand, it's more than a logo. That would be a brand identity. Mm-hmm. A brand is sort of a sum of all the parts that represent a business. So they're a business's perception It's your website, it's your sales material, it's the way you greet your customers. It is sort of everything sort of outward facing um, Mm -hmm. and also internal for how that brand is perceived internally amongst employees. But yeah, as a a bit of a, I guess, complex answer, a brand is sort of a sum of all the parts that represent Mm -hmm. that business. There's a great quote I like from Jeff Bezos, which is, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And that, like and that. that's the true thing with the brands is that your brand will have a different meaning amongst all of your audience. Sure. And then what our job is and what we do with our clients is try to align that brand perception mm. with that business's capabilities. Because you want it as close as possible. Absolutely. You, know, you, want it, you don't want a brand that over-promises and under-delivers. Absolutely. Um, and I think when we were talking off-air, you came up with some really good examples about some larger brands that we all know yeah. that are potentially at the coalface look really great to engage with, but don't quite 
achieve on that promise. Just run us through. Yeah, so we have a bit of a methodology or a bit of a matrix that we use, and there's sort of four quadrants in this matrix. So there's the underdog, so it's a business that's highly capable, but sort of flies beneath the radar. Mm -hmm. And then you have top dogs, which are sort of brands, you know, the household brands that we know and love, your Apple, your Disney, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. On the flip side of that, you have brands that could perhaps be flounders. So they're businesses that don't have a great product. They don't have a great brand image. They're really sort of in no man's land. And then in that other quadrant, you've got a catfish brand. So, you know, one I think of these days, and, and it's a brand that's sort of gone that way, is, is a brand like Uber. Mm-hmm. So Uber is ultra polished, beautiful design, sleek. You know, their marketing's incredible. You know, yep. they've got Uber Eats, have got the Kardashians. They've just done a commercial with Robert De Niro. They do like, the top tier marketing, top tier branding. Absolutely. However, the last time I got an Uber, I ended up cancelling three times. You know, yeah, you, definitely. You get notifications all the time on your phone for Uber Eats, and then you you put your phone down because it's a massive ripoff now. The restaurants are are getting a raw deal. The customers are getting a raw deal. So the experience no longer sort of lives up to that promise. Yeah, I think it was new and exciting, wasn't it? So yeah. people just liked the alternative as opposed to getting in a cab. It was actually quite refreshing to have mm. it on an app. You didn't have to give directions. It was all there at your fingertips. But you're right, that polish has certainly come off of that process yeah, and that experience. Yeah, definitely. And, and not to turn the episode into a, an, an absolute ragging of, uh, no. of Uber, but me and a number of people I know have sort of switched back to the traditional model just because it's more reliable. And you know, yeah, what are you sure. looking for in that situation? You want reliability. Yeah, so that's probably, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on how you can continue to not reinvent yourself, but how you can continue to kind of, put your brand at the forefront because it's really important. But before we get to that, for people, particularly decision makers, and I know in gross perspective, we certainly went on this journey with you. What are the tangible benefits of a brand? What would we say to people that say, look, it's a bit airy-fairy. There's no substance there. What's the ROI? How do we start to break down some of that? Because I think we can quite easily, but I'd love you to sort of articulate how you would define that. Yeah, it's a good question. And, And that's right. Like, our industry is, we're not great in our industry and in, in branding and marketing at talking about the numbers mm-hmm. because we're creative. We sort of, we like to hide behind the finished product, um, sure. the colors, the fonts and things like that when really we need to get better at having those conversations about the return. So the thing is that it converts to sales, good branding, good marketing. It should allow you to charge more. It should allow, allow you to put a premium on your product or yep. your service. Updating the website, updating your collateral, updating the way that you, you present your business should allow for a return and does allow for a return. And there are cases that we've worked on. Recently, we helped a company quadruple the amount of applicants when it came to hiring. So yeah. helping them refresh their careers page mm. and the way they wrote their job ads and the way they presented their employer brand helped them quadruple the number of applicants. It's helped them save on recruitment fees. Yeah, um, and, and that was a real return, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and that's the other thing. That's the other misconception or, you know, one of the things we talk about is like, well, what are the drivers of branding, of investing Mm. in branding or marketing. I think normally it's two things, right? You either want more customers, um, which is great. Like everyone wants more customers or higher quality customers um, or clients. The other thing is staff. And that's something we're seeing a lot more these days, right? There's a a massive shortage on on skilled labor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We work with a number of clients in in different industries where it's really hard for them to compete with their competitors on on attracting and retaining good people. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the powerful things that we've found with, with branding and um, and getting that you know that brand positioning right mm. and how do you position your business as a play as a great place to work yeah definitely I think it's very important and 
it's interesting because in the commercial workspace realm, one of the key drivers for clients that we work with wanting to relocate or refurbish their space is that the space they currently occupy is no longer representative of the work they do, the quality of the work mm. they do, yeah. or the quality of the clients that they work with. So it's almost that gap in perception vis reality that creates enough angst where a change needs to occur. So I like the analogy you use where you almost upgrade your baseline and you mm. start operating at a new level, which gives you a, a foundation to keep improving from. Branding so similar because that comes into the workplace conversation as well. There's a lot of fit outs that we see that are sort of 10, 15 years old, second generation, where a business for cost purposes and completely understand that may have moved into a fully fitted space, but they haven't put their stamp on it. Mm -hmm. It's sort of moving into someone else's home. You haven't made it your own. The colors aren't there. The values aren't on the wall. So when you've got a new team member coming in, it's very hard to integrate them into the culture. And what is the culture? How do you define it? How is that tangible? So I think that our two service offerings go hand in hand quite well. With our journey specifically, I think we were concerned that are we just trying to make ourselves feel good by having something that was cosmetically better looking. Mm. And when we delved a bit deeper and we engaged with our team members, we realized, well, no, this is people want to be proud of what we do. And at the moment, the $7 logo that, you know, Jason, Tim and Ian, whilst it's, it's been great and hasn't necessarily held us back, it's probably now not representative of the high quality individuals and teams that work within the business. Yeah. So what do you see when you're reviewing brands? What are some things that you see that are done well that just need a little bit of polish? And what are some common mistakes that you might see where you really feel that people are just leaving things on the table, some low-hanging fruit? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. So part of our process is going in and, and sort of exploring the business. So doing a discovery, you know, speaking to their existing clients, speaking to their staff, speaking to their founders or, or directors and key stakeholders, and sort of uncovering what's unique about this business. What's their unique value proposition? Mm. Uncovering those things. We don't try to manufacture things. We yeah. try to uncover what they're already doing. Gotcha. For a case like growth, we were interviewing staff and, and clients. And one of the things we found was that the way you communicated with clients was of a much higher quality or, you know, it was, you were really, really communicating the journey with clients and that mm. was a really refreshing, it was funny, it, there was a term that came through the surveys or the interviews, which was this concept of, it was refreshing working with growth. Mm. And that actually translated in, into that's the tagline or the positioning, yeah, which is love refreshing it. work. Mm. But so our job is more about uncovering what you're currently doing well mm -hmm. and then working with you to develop a strategy of where you want to be. Yeah. And it's sort of mapping where you are now creating a, a journey or a course of where you want to be and then developing the, the strategy, but also the visuals to sort of support that strategy. What we see, where we see companies go wrong is when there's, there's no alignment between how they perceive themselves yeah. and how their customers perceive themselves. Gotcha. So their customers might be coming to them because of their price point. They might mm -hmm. be really cheap or might be really easy to use their product. It might be around like the flexibility or the responsiveness. They might want to see themselves as, you know, ultra premium, ultra high end or, or something else. Like, there's a misalignment there. Yeah, that's right. So when, the, when there's a misalignment and the people internally can't get over that or can't see that mm. and can't get past that, that's when things start to break down. So that's when tough conversations need to be had. Yeah, and sure. we like to rely or lean on the findings to be able to do that rather than put it down to our subjective opinion or something yeah. like that. We use real world findings to support. Yeah, definitely. 
No, I think that's so true. And in our specific case, again, we really wanted people to feel like they knew us before they met us, mm. but in a way that they had an idea of what level of product and service they would get if they came to speak to us. Yeah. And I think we probably weren't portraying that previously. I think our, the work we were delivering was, and, and maybe that's where the refreshing came from. I mean, we spoke about this, that was, did they say it was refreshing because they were pleasantly surprised that, wow, actually these guys aren't just traditional builders, they're mm. strategists, they're design experts and all those things. So now we've almost got to work not twice as hard, but we've got to keep onto it to make sure that if you were to speak to our clients in 12 months time, after we found our new baseline, that they still find us refreshing. So for us, it's about how do we now continue to take it to the next level? Yeah, We've done it, we've implemented it, but you've always got to make sure you can't just put it in that top drawer. It's a constant evolution, isn't it? Yeah. And, th and that's the thing with brands. Your brand is, like I said, it's your business's reputation. Branding is like trust, right? It can take a lifetime to build trust. It can take a lot of time to build trust. Mm. It can take a second to lose trust. You're constantly updating it, evolving it. You're working on it. It's a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. It's hard to do it well. And that's why, you know, the great brands sort of prevail. Brands like Apple, they do it really well because they take a great deal of care on everything they do. Mm, you know, Apple's absolutely. always a good one to, to talk about because so many people have walked into an Apple store. So many people have bought an Apple laptop and kept the box for yeah. way too long. You don't throw it out because it's so beautifully designed and yeah. packaged. It's also consistent as well. That's right. It? Yeah, mm. it's, a, it's a great point. It's very consistent. The experience you get from Apple would be the same if you were in New York, if you were in Tokyo, if you were in Sydney, mm. the way the shop was fitted out, the way people would speak to you and, and greet you, it's very consistent. The same way McDonald's is consistent. And that's really, you know, McDonald's is another great brand. While it's not as premium as yeah, Apple, sure. they nail that consistency. You know exactly what you're going to get and that's it delivers right. every time. That's yeah, right. Which builds trust, doesn't it? It does, yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. So, little change of pace. Don't want to get into into growth too specifically. Well, we're going to, <laughs> but I, I don't want it to be a gushing podcast about growth workplace design, but I really want you to take people and I'll work with you on this, the, the journey we went on to give some examples, because for us, one of the most important things was that return on investment. Mm. So before we get into your first impressions of growth and how we sort of navigated working with you, can you talk to us a little bit about the role that branding plays in the marketing, linking to the website, a CRM system, and all of those things. So I think for a lot of C-suite leaders or business development managers that are listening in, that's really going to plant the seed for them on how they can actually leverage their new brand to generate leads, to generate conversations as well. Yeah, it's a good question. So how we approach it is very much in a in a process of business first, brand second, marketing third. <clears throat> I love that. So your business is your goals and objectives, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, your target audience, but your strategic advantage. So mm -hmm. we, we would want to come in and sit down with the business and sort of really map out, okay, what, what do they want to achieve in the next six to 12 months? What does three to five years look like? Yeah. What's, you know, what's the long-term plan? What's their vision? You know, how are they going to achieve that vision? What's their mm -hmm. mission in doing that? Then we dive down into, into the brand and the brand strategy. So how does the brand strategy support that those business goals and objectives. Yep. So when we create, if we're creating an identity, if we're creating a tagline or a, a key selling messages, it's always anchored or tied back to those commercial objectives. 
So we're not creating things in isolation. It's very much around what is their business strategy. Yeah. And the great thing is, you know, a lot of leaders now are very sort of up to speed with developing a, a strong and mm. robust business plan and business strategy. Definitely. And that's where we would like to come in and, and yeah. sort of sit down and, and review that and map that out with them. Yeah. Without getting into specifics, have you seen a change in the last couple of years of what businesses' strategies are? Have the, um, have the priorities shifted a little bit in the last couple of years? I think we've seen a shift around it being more holistic in leaders are realizing the, the value of employees a yes. lot more. I think employees are really being recognized and, and valued. It's something that we've always really believed in, yeah. that your employees are your, you know, the biggest brand's potential. They're you know, potential brand ambassadors, they're advocates. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, going back to Apple, people who work for Apple love Apple. Yeah, Samsung um, is also available. <laughs> I thought I would just note that just in case we get in trouble. We're sponsored by Samsung. Oh, oh, no, we're not really. No, no, no. no I'm really um, but yeah, so I think I've seen a shift there where people are more conscious of, you know, how do we get the team involved in understanding that vision and, and sharing that vision? How do we develop values that are truly reflective to how we operate as a business? And, and then and that the team buy into those values and live those values every day. And, and for us, a, a great example of that is we've now got our values on the wall mm. and we have started having conversations on a Friday and going through, look, how have we paid it forward this week? Yeah. How have we established enduring connections? How have we grown from within? And we are sort of challenging ourselves, not in a, in a rigid sort of process way, but just a conversation on a Friday afternoon with the team, just checking in with ourselves and I think if we're doing that, then we're living the brand and it is authentic. Yeah, yeah I love that. We didn't want it to be something that we just slapped up on the wall, showed clients, put it in a pitch document and mm. said, hey, look how great we are because we give back. Well, what are we actually doing? How are we living up to being growth workplace design every day? And I think we've seen that transform across the whole business, which has been really exciting. There is a, a buzz in the office around it, the new uniforms, the new look and feel. Every time a new proposal document goes out, it's shared with everyone in the organization. Whereas previously, it would just be the sales team that kind of flicks that off. Whereas now, everyone's commenting on how good the photography's looking, how good the rendering's looking, the color palettes, all of those things. The sales and marketing is almost now being carried by 25 people as opposed to just three. That's awesome. So it feels like we've got the weight of the team behind us on that that sort of journey, which for us has been, can you quantify it tangibly? Well, I think we can. We talked earlier about the engagement survey we did with our team prior to undergoing the rebrand, and we didn't really get a lot of engagement from the team, or we thought we may have had more. Whereas now, when we've done sort of similar style engagement surveys, we're getting 100% of people come back in the team. And I think because everyone's aligned with the same goal. So that's great. And I love hearing that, that you're, you're checking in on those values and you're actually sort of like, you know, checking in with yourselves and saying, you know, how are we living up to this? How are we living these values? I said all the time where brands and, and businesses will, um, like you said, slap it up, put it up like wallpaper. And then the same tried and test, you know, their, their generic values, you know, integrity. We like to develop values where they're doing words or they sort of have a bit more context or meaning behind them. Mm, yeah. um, Simon Sinek has done some great work on establishing values and yeah, really making them sort of action words or doing words. Yeah. Uh, so as they opposed, don't just sit there stagnantly, yeah, yeah. they drive, they evoke thought and then evoke action as you said. That's say. right. Because I mean, if you, imagine how disempowering it would be working in an organization where they've got something like do the right thing and you look at the behaviors of that business and you sort of roll your eyes and you think, 
do we live that? Do we live up to that? Yeah. Um, you know, you can't have that. You mm. can't have values that are aren't authentic. That you know that are misaligned because it's, it's not serving anyone. It's essentially just a lie. Yeah, definitely. And I think ultimately, what clients want to know is what's it going to be like to work with this business. What's it going to look like at the end, and how much is it going to cost? Mm. And if you can help them navigate that decision making by being sleek so that when they receive the price from you on whatever your product or service may be, if if that's how your business works, that it's almost they were expecting it to be mm. that. So then it's the, the value that you're offering has outweighed the price. So then price is off the table, right? Because, yeah. well, we're investing in this, this, and this because this is what's important to our yeah. business. We look after our team. We use top products so we don't discount. We put extra people on the job, but whatever your kind of USP is. Yeah we've actually found a lot people are not getting as caught up on the final figure because we've got more believability yeah. if that makes sense in how we're going to get you to that end result mm. and i think we were doing that before but we just weren't able to navigate it quite as succinctly as cleanly as we do now yeah so that's been one of the other biggest things for us so i do want to get on and tell the listeners specifically about the tangible benefits we've had as a sales team within growth. So I think that's important as well. That was one of our key drivers. But before we get to that, what was your first impression of the Growth Australia brand when you saw it? And what were your initial ideas of where we could kind of get yeah. some wins? I mean, the logo we could tell was something generated in a in sort of like an online Fiverr type scenario. Um, you can tell that. But like, you know, I don't want to spend the, the episode just taking that apart. It was a really positive first impression. You mm. know, what you guys do really well is build connections, build relationships and, and strong relationships. And it's almost a little bit old school in terms of how you, the team approach things, yeah. you know, much more focus on, you know, one-to-one relationships and building great networks and less reliant on things like your website or mm. your marketing collateral. And then you're going back to one of the benefits of, of branding is, and branding and marketing is if you have a really good website, that can be a salesperson who's working 24-7 for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you guys just weren't relying on that at all. Like it was playing no role. No. So, you know, I looked at this business and we looked at this business. We're like, here's a business that's doing incredibly well. And it's almost like they've got some massive things that could be, you know, that are hamstringing, they're hamstrung in all of their sort of online or yeah. you know, visual marketing. Mm. Their website's really dated and, and they're not doing them any favors there. People are having to take a bit of a leap of, leap of faith with these guys, yep. um, you know, they're meeting them, they're, they're validating them, but yes, they, they believe that they are capable, but really, if, if you dug beneath the surface, these guys are, you know, diamonds in the rough sort of thing. Yeah. And they're the types of clients, they're the types of businesses that we excel in mm. working with yeah, because absolutely. it's not about manufacturing something. It's not about sort of, you know, creating something out of nothing. It's, yeah. it's telling a story. It's telling a more authentic, engaging story with a business. Definitely. Um, and I think where we were, it was very difficult for us to scale or to see where the scalability was going to come from other than the sales team building better relationships yeah. and onboarding more clients. Mm. And it's like, well, that's great. But if we're so reliant on one-to-one relationships, that's just not scalable. And yeah. it's also, you can't future-proof your pipeline there. And then the sales pipeline for us, like many businesses, that handles all our resourcing, our design team. So everyone else hooks into the sales pipeline. So we really wanted to create something that was almost going to stand the test of time. And that if in five years time, we had to look back on it, it was still relevant. It was still current. I think we've done that. 
but it also gave us the ability to scale. Mm-hmm. So what we did and what we worked alongside yourself was is having a lot more visibility of our target market through our website and through our CRM. So we understood that we love talking to key decision makers and C-suite, people and culture managers, HR, whoever they may be, anyone who's invested in their staff, their team, improving their workplace, refurbishing their workplace. We wanted to be speaking to those people and we wanted to be seen as thought leaders. So what we've done with our website and our CRM as we've got some curated content now that tries to engage with those types of people so we can get more eyeballs on our website. And we've seen from the basic tracking we could do on our previous website, I think we're we're now getting six times the viewers um, on that website. And then the key is, so what's the tangible benefit of that? We've had four leads come in through the website. The previous five and a half years, we had none. We've had some come through LinkedIn and Instagram as well, which is great. So a total of sort of eight leads, I believe, across social media, which was zero before. And you mentioned as well, we've we've not actually spent any money on AdWords or optimizing our viewers. That's yeah. just from people that have organically come through from sort of the content we've been sending out. So my question to you, we've we've sort of linked all those things up. How can a brand then take it to the next level after that? So we've kind of got a good foundation now. If you were advising us, yeah. how would growth workplace design take it to the next level? And what would you like to see a brand like ours that sort of started that journey and got a new foundation? Is the sky the limit or? I feel like this is free consulting now. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, I was, I'm about to bring him on a public forum. Maybe no, there's some off the air I'm just, I'm just kidding. Let's use an analogy. So the growth workplace for workplace design brand now. Imagine that we've rebuilt your home or rebuilt this city. And mm. it's it's a beautiful city that's representative of the quality of your business, of, of what you can deliver and what you can live up to. At the moment, without putting additional money into marketing strategy or paid marketing or digital marketing. We've built this city and it's an, it's almost an island. It's sitting there. It's amazing if you can get there mm-hmm. and if you can drive traffic to it. But what we could have then take a, like a, a zoom out and think about, let's establish some roads. Let's establish some highways into this thing. How do we get your target market or yep. your ideal customer's eyeballs on this city, on this beautiful, this mm-hmm. new website or you know, your, yep. your office. So, so it's about building or developing strategies around how can people have more engagements, more interactions with your brand, with your business. Yep. Now, you guys are, are brilliant at doing things like events, different events where you'll bring people in, you'll do panels and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's also opportunities where you could look at how do we start to target these target audience personas or target audience yep. groups. So you know that you're targeting, you know, people and culture managers. Mm-hmm. Could you develop some LinkedIn strategies where you are creating content around, you know, the case studies of what is the effect? What is the effect of a really fit for purpose workspace for an organization? And driving, you know, people back into the office, or yeah. how does know, that impact your culture? And that's mm. yes, that's right. And then you could start uh, yeah, target sure. or boost these on LinkedIn, on yep. Google Ads. If it was employee engagement, so you're starting to drive like employee campaigns. How do we attract more, um, you know, great designers to work with us? Yeah, it could be boosting different Instagram posts and things like that. But it should be sort of a really comprehensive strategy tied to real goals. So yeah. you know, what are the things that we're trying to drive? Are oh, we want to increase our database mm-hmm. so we can start to remarket to people? Yeah. So let's start to build all audiences through LinkedIn, through Google Ads, and let's start to use our email marketing a lot better. So one thing we spoke about with you guys is when building the site, what do we want to do with this sort of newsletter subscription thing? And I still think it's probably one of the 
most undervalued things that businesses should be doing. Yeah. And it, it really is cheap. It's probably one of the cheapest things you can do. And it's really good email marketing. Owning the customer data is vital. LinkedIn, you don't own that customer data. LinkedIn owns the data. Whereas when you can have a really sort of robust email list and you can hit them once a month with really valuable updates yeah. about your business. Bought pieces um, about. Yeah, it's got to add value. You know, you could be sending them things like the podcast, but if you're adding value, if you're giving information and you're staying top of mind, and that's the thing, like half the challenge is just staying top of mind. The reason real estate agents do so much marketing is because they just want to always be, you know, when you think real estate, you think your local agent yeah, sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, Definitely. They're not the, the most sophisticated marketers, but they do it really well. And it, yeah, it is consistent just consistent with it. Yeah. It's brute force marketing. It yeah. is just as mm. many eyeballs as possible, as many times as possible, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's a great learning as well for anyone who's looking at embarking on a rebrand journey. There is tangible benefits, but it's not, as we mentioned earlier, you can't just put it in the top drawer after you've done it. Mm. You've constantly got to be honest with yourself on where are we going? What's our goals? How do we get there? What do we need to tack on? But it's given us a fantastic platform and springboard to do so. What are some of the biggest challenges when you're working with clients do you see? Is there something that people get caught up on throughout the process? Is it stakeholder engagement? Is it What would be a couple of things that people should be wary of or that you find particularly challenging at times to navigate with clients? It's an interesting one. So as an external supplier, we have to be incredibly respectful of where that business has been and where that business is going. Mm. And, it, and our job is to manage the expectations, but also manage people's relationship with the brand, you know, the legacy that they've built. So the challenges might be around if there's a founder or if there's a, a director who's no longer involved day to day, but still has a really you know, strong grip yeah. on that brand yep. and they're not bought into the concept. Sure. So my job, I don't see it as like, we're going to go sell this into the business. It's, it's about helping the business sort of understand that there is a need for it. There's a business case for it. Sure. And they walk into it sort of with their arms open to the idea of change and Yeah, so and you, don't, you don't feel like you're constantly pitching and pitching. That's it, right. It, it's, you're just running the process. That's yeah. right. So where, where it falls down is where you have someone who could be a naysayer. They could be saying, you know, I, we don't think, I don't think we need this why are we doing this, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, sure. and they're not brought in early enough. Yeah. So you get to a stage where there's a change in logo, there's a change in tagline or positioning. There could even be a name change. And they, they sort of like, they put up the brakes and they sort of cut the process off at the knees. Mm. That thankfully for us doesn't happen much. And it's something and that- do you try and qualify that when you're kind of working with clients on that initial consultation? Are you asking- who are the key decision makers? Yeah. You've got to be careful because we find sometimes as well that you don't want to undermine people in the team who have been given the task to carry out the work and deliver the project. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you aren't going to have someone who comes in sort of the day before the yeah. brand goes live to say, guys, yeah. blue's not my color. Yeah. It's got to be red. Yeah. So definitely. So we're, we're making sure that our process, you know, it's a policy with us when we're doing these workshops that the people who are signing off on the designs or signing off on the strategy are involved in the early, early mm. stages. They have to be involved from the start. And, and if they can't be involved in the workshop, it'll be a one-on-one -on -one sort of interview between myself and them to sort of uncover any sure. reservations or, or any, you know, existing thoughts or ideas around what it should be yeah, uh, to really pay, pay them respect. Because like I said, like it's an exercise in change management and managing change is hard. And that's why our process, we do things like staff-wide surveys to get all the team involved so that when it launches, the team aren't, you know, what the hell is that? 
it's, oh, awesome. You know, we, we did the survey. We mm-hmm. can see our answers in the result. You want them to sort of buy into that. Yeah. And, and the great thing, one thing that was super rewarding with the work with growth was, was just how invested the team were. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. how and how excited you all were when it, when it was unveiled, when people were handed their branded drink bottles, and it was in the as they walked into the office, there was the new new signage and new colours up. That for me is is so, and our team is just so rewarding. That's you know, the seeing, most rewarding part of what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just Fantastic. seeing people sort of see it and go, yeah, that's us. Yeah, and they, and they feel like that brand really reflects and, and represents who they are and where they want to go. Um, no, definitely, it's, it's a great part of what we do. No, it is, and and the process with yourself, mate, was it was fantastic. It was fun. I think you did a really good job at nailing the brief, and I don't mean that lightly as just to blow smoke because we had the three founders, Jason, Tim, and Ian. They're engaged every day in the office. They live and breathe it. There was an emotional attachment to what they've built and created over the last almost six years it really helped that what you put in front of us resonated with the client feedback. I think that was a big thing. As mm. soon as we heard that clients mentioned that you were refreshing to deal with, so we've come up with the tagline, growth workplace design, refreshing work. We just loved it. And then the colorways that came with it, it wasn't a complete name change. The growth stayed, which you knew was so important because it was the guy's names were integrated there. So the best thing you did was, as you've already mentioned, worked with what we had but just elevated it and promoted mm. it to uh, what we felt was a premium offering. Yeah, I think it would be have been a different conversation if you'd put something in front of us and we'd hated it. I don't think you'd ever do that, but it just seemed there was no kind of friction points. The only thing I think we would have changed in our learning for everyone out there was probably engaged you to help us a little bit more with the rollout. Mm-hmm. We do have in-house capability and, and Heather did a fantastic job with it and I, we were both working on that. But I think just taking that out of the in-house resource and you guys delivering it because you'd been on that journey was something we could have potentially looked at. However, I think we will be talking to you about moving forward and elevating it further because it's a working progress, right? That's right. I mean, I mean, that's Probably, you know, going back to what are the mistakes that you see people do, I think it's tempting for businesses, especially, you know, well-established larger businesses to take that new brand on and take it on and almost run with it themselves. Mm. And we can develop really great style guides and rules and usage guides around that. But it takes a little bit of time to sort of really understand and and roll out a brand. And I think there's a great collaboration piece that can happen there. Mm. And it it is, you know, you design it in a certain way or we design it in a certain way. We create a few different pieces of collateral and then you start to see it sort of fall off a little bit as it evolves because it's not... You know, they're not following the guidelines or they're not following the standards. And, and you know, not everyone is um, spends as much time thinking about the intricacies and the one percenters we, like we do. But it doesn't have to be an expensive task or an arduous task. Like mm. to give you an example, one of our clients is a recruitment company and they do a hell of a lot of LinkedIn marketing and, and LinkedIn promotions with job ads and mm. updating their audience with what's happening, you know, live updates sort of thing. And what we did is we'd, we just simply got into their Canva Pro template and developed on-brand templates that they could update themselves. Yeah, so sure. all their changes is minor things but when they're exporting and producing it it looks the same way it would have if we did it for them yeah um, so what we want to do is is empower teams to be able to do things themselves mm. you know i don't want people to outsource everything to us because we're not geared for that sort of work yeah um, it's about empowering the marketing teams to create really high quality on-branded materials and scale that fantastic no, that's great man i always like to finish discussions with a bit of a crystal ball mm. 
and it is an ever-changing landscape. I think we've agreed that the last couple of years, the brand has acted in a way that ties teams together, that can attract new talent, can attract new clients and build trust and authenticity, Mm -hmm. which I think now more than ever is what people are seeking and thought leadership of trusted providers. Where do you think the next sort of three, five, 10 years could take us in the branding and marketing landscape with companies? Do you think there'll be any disruptors? Massive, yeah. So, I mean, already like ChatGPT and MidJourney. So MidJourney is image generative AI imagery. You know, ChatGPT, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've, you've used it and, and sort of embraced some of that technology. What we're seeing, and I can see it so easily now on LinkedIn, mm. is ChatGPT generated posts and comments. Yeah. Gil's nodding as well. And he's, <laughs> he's seen a few. Um, you, you can spot them a mile away. The number of emojis, the way it's written, yeah, sure. uh, the, the style, the tone of voice. You know, copywriters, good copywriters would be rolling their eyes. And you think, you know, are they going to be done out of a job? And I think what we're going to see is just an abundance of content. It's going to be things like ChatGPT, things like TikTok, things like Instagram. Yeah. They're making content production very cheap. Yeah, sure. um, they're allowing companies to do it at scale and, and just pump content out. The challenge will be how do you put content out that's quality on brand that is doing your business a service and yeah. not a disservice. Like yeah. more noise for the sake of it isn't necessarily a good thing. So I think what we're going to see is just more videos. We're going to see more blog articles. We're going to see more emails. We're just going to get sort of inundated with stuff. Yeah. And the challenge will be, you know, how do we get better at discerning what is good, what is valuable, mm. and what is just noise for the sake of noise? So I think the challenge for businesses will be to you know, get really clear on what's something that, you know, where do we stand? What's our personality? What's our tone of voice? Mm. What things should we be putting out? What things shouldn't we be putting out? Where do we draw that line of, you yeah. know, how do we update our Instagram or LinkedIn or TikTok or these sorts of things? And rather than just churning stuff out, being a lot more discerning with what you're putting out. Because yeah. unfortunately for businesses like you and I, like people would much rather hear from Dan Boy's the person, mm. then growth the brand. And that's yeah, just sure. a matter of fact. Like, yeah. you know, we're drawn to people. Yeah, and, of and the great thing about a good brand is it could be almost a sum of the people that work there. And it's, it's quite authentic and human and representative. So I think the challenge that we'll face is how do we make brands and businesses feel mm. more human, feel more authentic, feel more real, yeah. and be quite vulnerable with how you post and you know, be quite authentic with how you're doing it rather than just spitting the same, you know, the yeah, same old triple out. Yeah. Um, I think so. And that was really profound, mate. That was some really good takeaways there. I think there's a great opportunity there. When technology increases and, and it's at your fingertips and that's auto-generated and that almost makes the human relationships more potent, I mm-hmm. find, because I think innately people have not a distrust of that sort of content, but I think, as we mentioned earlier, there's a real yearning for trust in humans, that yeah. relationship, and for particularly for our colleagues down south and still in Melbourne and Sydney that we're lucky in Brisbane, we've had we haven't had as many lockdowns. I think there's still a lot of people recovering from that, and the work from home and the hybrid is happening in Brisbane but the biggest thing that people still miss in the workplace is that human to human interaction yeah so I think we've got a as individuals have got a really big role to play as well in making sure that we're continuing to work on our communication as individuals and being understanding of people's differences and understanding that we need to give people information in different ways because that's how they compute it and they can use it so yeah. 
There's a great scene in a, in a recent South Park episode where they, they talk about ChatGPT and it's essentially one person's ChatGPT bot talking to another person, ChatGPT yeah. bot. If we, you and I were messaging, but we were just getting this thing to write our messages for us and then read it for us. And I think that's sort of where it feels to be going. Yeah. It's just where we're removing that human element yeah. and actually like, you know, you're, you're writing in someone else's language, you're writing in someone else's tone and then that person is reading it or skimming it. So yeah, I think- sure. Like you said, like if we can get back to, and I mean, yeah, I don't, it's not necessarily getting back to, but I just think that's what's going to matter more. You know, it is, real, yeah. real experiences. Yeah. That's why I think I love, you know, I love what you guys do because you walk into your spaces, the spaces you create and you're like, wow, like how cool is this? This is, this is actually like, it's making work. Work doesn't have to be necessarily fun. Like it's not going to be a playground no, or anything like that, but it's got to be functional. It's got to be fit for purpose. Yeah, and absolutely. I think going into a space, it's actually, to use a word that we use a lot, it's refreshing when you go into that space. It's not the cubicles. It's not the, you know, ceiling tiles and, and floorboards sort of thing. It's, or carpet. It's like, it's, it's a really dynamic space. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's important. Mate, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No, that was an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot. I didn't think you could teach me any more than you already have, but you have. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks, Dan. How can people get in touch with your good self <laughs> if they would like to look at their brands? Yeah, uh, we're easy to find. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or jump onto our website, dsib.com.au. Fantastic. I will pop a link into thank the you. bio. Thanks very much, mate. Awesome. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, if you've got any questions about any of the topics or you'd like to join us on one of the podcasts, please contact us via talk at growthaustralia.com.au. See you next time.